The best way to get a business to six figures is to have one core service or offering in your business and learn how to scale that. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. It's pretty rare that I get nervous with podcast topics. This is one that I'm nervous about. This is one that I have had on my to-do list to record for over a year, and I have avoided it. And the reason I have avoided it is because we're going to talk about why you shouldn't have multiple streams of income in your business, specifically why you shouldn't get into education and coaching. And obviously there's a million caveats there, but in general, why that can be really detrimental to the business that you have. And as you can imagine, coming from me, I have quite a few streams of income in my business. I have three main streams of income, photography, coaching, and education, and my photography studio. I also will sometimes do brand and influencer partnerships. I do affiliate marketing. Like I've got a lot going on. And the thing that always comes up when I think about this topic is who am I to tell people that they shouldn't do exactly what I am doing? My hesitation is that people will see this as gatekeeping which it's not at all, and I'm going to explain why, but that's why I haven't done this episode yet. That's why I've been waiting, because I don't want people to think, well, she's built this multi-six-figure business, and she's done that through having multiple streams of income, and so now she's telling us not to do that, and like she's totally gatekeeping. The reality is I am very confident that if I did not have multiple streams of income, I am 99% positive I would be making more money right now. My, my business coach is in my ear being like 100% positive. You 100% would be making more money right now. And she's right. The imaginary business coach in my mind. I mean, she's a real person, but she's not actually in my ear right now. She's right. I would 100% be making more money right now if I did not have multiple streams of income. And I wish that somebody would have told me this years ago when I was I honestly think I was kind of like doomsday prepping. Well, if this, if this business doesn't work, then I've got this business. And if this business doesn't work, I've got this business. And I have empathy for that past version of myself, but I'm paying the price of it now. It's interesting because I don't know if I would do it differently, which is why this conversation is going to be a little strange. It's kind of like if you're not sure if you should have a third baby, And then you do have a third baby. And even if that third baby cries all the time, you're not like, I wish I didn't have a third baby. (laughs) Because once it's here, once he's here, once she's here, you're like, oh, I I love this third baby. My businesses are not my children. Let's be clear. Like, I love my children so much more than I could ever love a business. But that's the only thing that I can compare it to. Like, if I had the choice to go back in time and not start white space or not start coaching or not do photography, like, I wouldn't, I don't know which of those I would give up, you know, because they're here. And it's a thing and I love it and whatever, like all of that is true. And I have made my life considerably harder by not focusing on one thing. 
I think a lot of us have been sold this lie. I know it was something that I really bought into in the early stages of entrepreneurship that millionaires or successful business owners, I think it's specifically millionaires, have multiple streams of income or seven streams of income or something like that. I remember hearing that statistic and being like, okay, add to list. I need to have more streams of income in my business. And I would be very curious to know like more about what that data looks like because the longer that I'm in business, especially as a solopreneur, the more I realize mo businesses, mo problems. Like, yes, it's nice to have multiple streams of income, but one business does become a distraction for the other business. When you start another business, the other one is going to suffer. It just is. You only have so many hours in the day and you can hire people and all of those things. But if you're still supposed to be the visionary for all of these businesses, it's going to be hard to spread yourself thin enough to make that work and still have the same impact. I see so many photographers specifically, but I'm sure it's true in other industries, who want to scale to six figures and they think that education and coaching is the only way to do that or the best way to do that. I don't I don't really know exactly what the thought process is, but they feel like they need to add that in and that will get them to six figures and beyond faster. And having built a business to multi-six figures, having known friends and colleagues who have built businesses to that same level or beyond, having coached people who have been building businesses to six figures, I can confidently tell you that the best way to get a business to six figures is to have one core service or offering in your business and learn how to scale that. Get that to six figures. And then once you get it to six figures, see if you can get it to six figures with 80% of the time as opposed to 100% of the time and then 60% of the time. Like play with that first and have that really locked in before you start adding things. And honestly, I think that that was how I was able to have my photography business and then have white space and then have coaching and have it run pretty well together before I realized I was spread too thin. Like that went on fine for a couple of years. And I think the reason for that is because my photography business was almost running in the background. It wasn't obviously like I have to show up. I have to like put in the work, create images for my clients. I have to do some marketing. But because I had already scaled that photography business to six figures before I added on other services, I think that I was in a better place to be able to add something on and not still be like hustling over here trying to make photography work. Photography was working. It was established. I, I almost had a bit of an overflow and that was when I started white space. That is the best way to do this. If you're a little bit crazy like me and multiple income streams is something that you want to explore, my best advice would be to not touch any other business, any other service lines in your business until you reach six figures. Until you reach six figures, do not touch it with a 10-foot pole. You should be focusing on the one service that you offer and making that as amazing as possible so you're better set up to scale that thing. But often what happens is before people hit that six-figure mark, I think two things happen. I think they either get bored or they get nervous. 
they get to maybe seventy, eighty thousand dollars in annual like gross revenue, and they're like, "This is so much work. This is going to be so hard to hit a hundred thousand dollars with one thing, with only photography." And so they find something else. They find coaching, or they find teaching, or education, like some capacity of that. Or maybe they get into a studio, like I did with White Space, like. It's almost like, and they don't realize that they're doing this, but it's essentially looking for a distraction. I think there's, there's an element of thinking, oh, well, if I have done this much business with one service line, it's just going to accelerate it if I add something else. If I have done $70,000 with only photography, think of what I can do with photography and coaching. They think it'll accelerate their growth. It actually does the opposite because again, it's a distraction. It's taking the attention away from the primary thing. So suddenly, instead of having 100% of your attention on one thing, you've got 50% attention here and 50% attention here or 70, 30 or whatever that looks like for you. And I understand why this happens, whether business is going well or it's not, it's so easy to get impatient. I've told this story before, but I think back to my early years of photography and getting so annoyed that my friends were finding their thing when it came to photography and I was just not finding it. I wasn't lit up by weddings. I didn't want to work with babies every day. I didn't want to work with kids and families. I didn't want to shoot weddings every weekend. Like My friends were finding their thing and I felt like I couldn't find my thing. And now when I think about where I'm at and I look back, it's so clear that everything that I tried, I needed to try that to end up where I am now. Like those were valuable skills. There were valuable lessons that I was learning that informed the business that I have today. I started shooting 11, 12 years ago and left my job five and a half years ago and pivoted into brand photography shortly after that. So There has been a lot of life that has happened, a lot of business that has happened in those 10 years. And 10 years is like a blip on the radar, but at the time it felt like it was taking forever. And I think that's true in business. When you're in it, it feels like it's taking forever. And so you think, what can I add, right? If this feels really hard, what can I add to make it easier? But you actually shouldn't be adding anything. You should probably be simplifying And you should probably be taking away and pruning and paying attention to what you're doing in your business that is moving the needle the most. Scaling to six figures should be about constant refinement. How can I make this better? How can I make this experience more seamless? How can I stand out more? How can I market better? Like that's what scaling to six figures should look like. So by the time you're at that six-figure mark, you are in a place where you can scale because your systems and the background of your business, and you're not cobbling things together like you do in the beginning of your business. But it's so rare that it actually plays out like this, especially for creatives, because we get bored. And I would argue that it's not actually boredom, it's impatience. I can speak to this for like the season of business that I'm in right now. There are certain things that I have been doing that have been rinse and repeat, which I've really never done in business before. Like do as I say, not as I do. 
because it's taken me 10 years to realize like, oh, I could actually perfect this if I kept working at it and didn't, you know, decide on a new service that I'm going to offer every six months. So I've been in this season of refining and doing the same thing over and over again, but making it better and better each time. And doing that with a really focused intention is bringing me so much joy and I love getting really curious about it and thinking like, oh, how can I make this better? And how can, like, how can this be better? And I I think if we approach it with that lens of like, okay, this is still creativity and this is still advancement, it just isn't in the form of changing our services and changing our offerings as often, but it feels really purposeful. And I'm not bored at all. And I thought I would be. I really thought that I would be. That was something that I told my business coach over and over when she kind of pushed me on this. Like, I I think I'm going to get bored. And looking back, I'm like, that was such a lie that I was telling myself. Like, this isn't boring. I just have to be okay with a different kind of work. It's not a busy work. It's a thoughtful work. And it's making me better. I didn't feel like I was becoming better when I was constantly cobbling things together or creating new offerings or adding new streams of income. Like I didn't feel like I was becoming a better business owner. I felt like I was, how many times have we used this phrase on this podcast? I felt like I was throwing spaghetti at the wall. And happily, a lot of the spaghetti stuck. But looking back, it's really clear that that wasn't necessarily a good use of time. I should have been working on that more thoughtful work. But the thoughtful work doesn't give you the dopamine hit of creating a quick post in Canva and announcing a new studio space or a mini session day or a new VIP coaching offering. Like It doesn't give you that same dopamine hit as sitting down and really looking at your processes and your client experience and really understanding who your ideal client is, like that does not give the same dopamine hit as some of this more thoughtful work does. And so I spent years doing the stuff that was giving me the dopamine hit instead of the stuff that I should have been doing. You're probably delivering galleries that have too many photos of your client looking at the camera and smiling. A personal brand photography session is so much more than a gallery of headshots. A good brand session should leave your client with a library of images thoughtfully curated to grow their business. These aren't just pretty photos. They're pretty with a purpose. Brand sessions aren't just a million photos of your client's face, as beautiful as they may be. Galleries should be diverse and showcase not just the person behind the brand, but all the things that make up their business. This is how you create brand sessions that can really be put to work and not just collect dust in the cloud when they change their hairstyle. If you want clients who use their images and sing your praises from the roof, download my ultimate personal brand session shot list. This list covers the 10 images you should be getting at every session, plus a bonus concept that will have your clients so thrilled they have to tell all their friends, which means more business referred your way. You can grab the checklist at maddiepashong.com slash shot list. That's maddiepashong.com slash shot list. There's such a high burnout rate in professions like photography that I think we get shiny object syndrome with quote unquote passive income. And 
I know that passive income seems like a really sexy thing. We've had some really good Take It Personally episodes about passive income. But in general, passive income is not a thing. There are not people out there sitting on beaches getting paid millions of dollars unless they have put in so much work for their businesses to run without them or they have a team doing that, like a team that they are paying. I will often have clients come to me and say that they want to start doing something to create passive income. And what they don't understand is that we are talking about months, if not years of unpaid work before you reap the benefits of passive income. And even then, it is probably such a low amount of money on a monthly or annual basis for it to even make a difference unless you are putting all of your effort into it. A couple of episodes back, we had a really great episode with my friend Molly talking about passive income. And if you listen to that episode, while we are talking about how great this can be for a business, I think it's also really important to recognize that Molly had a fairly large audience when she launched her passive income. And now she creates content in the form of YouTube videos that drive people to her passive income. And again, passive income is in quotes because she's creating YouTube videos. She is creating content that is driving people to this thing that she sells. So she is working. It's just a different type of work. Passive income is not truly passive. And when you're in the beginning stages of your business and you want to make money and you want to get to that six-figure mark or be able to pay yourself an income or whatever your goals are, your time is so much better spent focusing on one thing. It's going to move the needle so much more in your business if you book one brand photo shoot at $1,200 or if you book one wedding at $5,000. That is going to make so much more of a difference in your business than if you spend the next nine months creating something or heck, even if you spend the next 30 days creating something that you're going to sell for $25 or $300 or $400. I think another thing that photographers who want to get into education and coaching don't consider is that we are talking about a totally different audience. So even if you have a thousand people that follow your photography Instagram, unless you are launching a product or service that is for that audience, you need to attract an entirely different audience for the education product that you're selling. So it's not like you're going to launch this $300 product and have 50 people waiting to buy it, which is the part of passive income that sounds appealing. You now have to work on growing a completely different audience who wants to buy that product that's geared toward photographers or creatives or whoever it's geared toward. It's really common when I am coaching a photographer after about four to six weeks of working together, they will come to me because inside my coaching program rebrand, I tell them there is nothing that's off the table. You can ask me anything and I will give you the best answer that I can give you or the best coaching that I can give you on that topic. So they're able to ask questions outside of brand photography, but it is pretty typical that about the four to six week mark, clients will come to me and they will have some sort of an idea for an additional service. Maybe they're looking at a photography studio. Maybe they want to add Lightroom presets to what they offer. Maybe they want to get into education and coaching. 
And nine times out of 10, when I really coach them on this and ask like, why do you want to do this right now? Why is right now the timing that makes sense for you? Why are you the person to teach this? Why should someone hire you? Why is this something that you want to do? Like when, when I really am able to drill down into the why, it is typically because they are scared because they don't feel like it's working. Now, don't get me wrong. I have clients who come in right out the gate and start having results and building momentum right away. But oftentimes it takes longer. It just does. That's the nature of business. And oftentimes they're also juggling family life or um, maybe they're a wedding photographer pivoting into brands. And so they're juggling this wedding side of their business. Like there's a lot going on and there's a lot of reasons why someone wouldn't have immediate success, right? But they let those four to six weeks pass and they're like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. I'm panicking. I have to add something else because there is no way that this is going to work with only brand photography or with only photography. So they start bringing in other ideas and they come to me and they're like, hey, I want to do this. And that's not coming from the place that you want to start a new business from. You don't want to come at it through a lens of fear, which is essentially what's happening. Those people would serve themselves so much better if they just kept going. And that's also the hardest part, right? It's so easy for me to say that. Just keep going. Just keep showing up on social media. Just keep going to those networking events. Just keep reaching out to potential portfolio building clients. Like just keep going. But that is actually what you need to do in the beginning. You do not need to add another business. You do not need to add another totally different service to scale to six figures. You need to focus on one thing and you need to perfect it. You need to drive the point home again and again and again. And you are going to feel sometimes like you're talking to a brick wall and you're going to feel like you are repeating yourself over and over. And that's usually about the time that it starts to work right on the other side of feeling like I am so annoying. I can't possibly say this anymore. I can't possibly say this in a different way. That's when the momentum really starts to pay off and you notice a difference, but you have to get through that first. Now, certainly there are people who would be phenomenal coaches and phenomenal educators. And typically that's not the concern that I have. A lot of my students would also make amazing coaches and educators someday. But what I always say to them is that opportunity is not going anywhere. You don't need to do this right now. I don't really believe in good timing. I think in a lot of ways we make our own good timing and you can make it good timing now or you can make it good timing a year from now. So that anxious feeling, again, isn't usually coming from an actual legitimate place of the timing is right right now. It's usually coming from a place of fear of this isn't happening as quickly as I want it to. So I'm going to add something in to accelerate my progress. And again, that's not how you actually have the growth that you're wanting. So that's the first thing I'll say is there's nothing magical about this timing. We can create good timing at most times. (laughs) Another thing that I would argue is If you are looking to differentiate your business or add a business pre-hitting six figures, you owe it to yourself to wait. It is going to be so much easier 
if you get the one business that you have, the one service that you have to six figures before you start adding things in. You owe it to yourself from the perspective of ease. It's so much easier to make decisions in a business when you are not dependent on it for survival. I think this is another big reason as to why my photography business has like really gone as well as it has because I did it as a side hustle for a really long time and it was at a very sustainable place before I quit my job. So I wasn't making decisions in that business from a place of fear and will I be able to pay my bills and all of those things. I was making decisions as a business owner. And I know that that is not always the case. Sometimes you have to quit your job. Sometimes you're let go from your job. Sometimes you can't balance a side hustle and a full-time job. I 100% get that. But again, in this situation, we're probably pretty well in the driver's seat. And so to make sure that that first business is to a very sustainable place before you add anything else in, you owe that to yourself. I also think you owe it to your clients. I think you will be a better coach or a better educator or a better studio owner or whatever it is if you have scaled a business to six figures. Because in order to do that and not completely burn out, you do have to have good systems in place. You have to understand pricing. You have to understand client experience and marketing and all of those things. And that's not to say that you don't have to understand those things before you hit six figures. You absolutely do. But by the time you've gotten a business to the point where you're making $100,000 a year, you've done those things. And so you're just in a better place to be able to teach that or to teach something business related to other people. The older that I get and the more that I work on my own boundaries and stress, the more that I realize my capacity for stress and my capacity for busyness is much lower than it used to be. because. Let's be real, it was probably never that high. I was just in stages of burnout and fatigue and thought that it was normal to feel the way I was feeling. But now that I have worked on so much of that, it's very clear to me when I am in a season headed for burnout. And as you can imagine, having three businesses, three streams of income, however you want to describe it, and balancing that with wanting to do less and wanting to work less, those things are kind of at war with each other. And again, the more that I work at perfecting each of my businesses, I have a few friends who are business owners and they built their business in a really streamlined way. They have one service and they have scaled it to six figures and beyond. And I find myself getting really jealous of the simplicity of their business. Because when I work on my business, I have to essentially choose between three businesses to work on. So I will work on one and then I will switch to the other and I will switch to the other. And it just ends up being a lot of work for someone who is trying to work less. So this podcast is not meant to be a Debbie Downer podcast. If anything, I hope that it's the opposite. I hope that you understand why I'm talking about what I'm talking about today, because I think a huge reason as to why I tried to differentiate so quickly in the beginning of my business, like as soon as my photography business hit six figures, I was like, what's next? And again, it has worked out and I think it can work. It's just so much harder. And I wish someone would have told me at that turning point 
you can actually scale to multiple six figures with only photography or with only coaching or with only a studio space. Like you can do that with each one of these businesses. But every time you add another business to what you already have, that is going to become harder and harder and harder. I know for a fact I didn't see that possibility with what I was doing at the time. And so I thought the only way to continue scaling my income was to add. And that actually wasn't the answer. I am so curious to hear what you think of this episode. I'm also terrified. (laughs) So once you listen to this episode, send me a message on Instagram, comment in our Facebook group. I would love to hear your thoughts on the case for not having multiple streams of income. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.